I'm Satya Nelms, and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Giselle Buchanan is a writer, artist, and arts educator from the Bronx, New York. <sighs> All right. Um, so what I would like to know to start is when you hear the word mother, what comes to mind? What does that mean, mother? Um, when I hear the word mother, I think of um, picking tomatoes in the garden when I was little. Um, I think of hmm, the kitchen smelling amazing always, no matter what's in the pocketbook, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of strength and often no support or insufficient support or um, just making the most of resources that may not necessarily be available. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think of nourishment and I also think that we have many mothers, you know, I feel like the earth is a mother archetype. you know, um, a lot of people don't have mothers in, in the physical mm-hmm. um, form, but have still been mothered by somebody or in some way, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I think about. Mm. I love, you know, you bringing up the many, you know, ways that mothering can come to us, including, you know, from the earth. You know, there's so many lessons that I feel like just sitting back and observing nature has has taught me. So I I love you know I love you bringing bringing that up. Um, who or what do you think of when you think about who mothered you? Um. Well, my mother has mothered me, mm-hmm. and her mother. No, her mother didn't mother me. I'm sorry. Her 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 cousins mothered me for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had mentors who mothered me, mm-hmm. um, in their own ways. Um, my friends have mothered me mm-hmm. for real. <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've gotten a lot of. Uh, supplementary mothering from friends (laughs) Um, which I'm very grateful for you know Um, because sometimes the the ones who bring us here don't have all the tools and Mm -hmm. the fact that we can go out into the world and um, accumulate more folks with more tools and have that be a sort of sustenance and and assistance and us moving through this world, I, I'm grateful for it. Like, I don't think I could have survived without that help as well. Yeah, yeah. 
I hear that. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about some of the, sorry, can you tell me a little bit about some of the strongest mothering influences in your life? Um, well, my mother, uh, her name is Judith. Um, she is a Caribbean woman, very strong, very soft, actually, which I didn't know when I was young because I think um, there's so many complexities when it comes to culture. And when I when you live at home with a Caribbean woman and you're out in an American environment, uh, the 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 language doesn't translate the mm-hmm. same. You know, um, it's kind of like there is a way of being that is being referenced in the house that you don't see reflected outside, and so you can't really find a you don't have a way to equalize it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain that, but, Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big thing for me. Um, but yeah, my mother was, um, a big source of mothering, um, for me. And, uh, she was very, she is very soft, very strong, um, loves nature, loves flowers. Mm -hmm. Her favorite color is yellow. Mm -hmm. Um, she loves to cook, loves to eat. Um, is a hostess. She loves to feed people, take care of people. She's the kind of person um, when we go out, she's talking to everyone. Like <laughs> that's the kind of person she is. And people talk to her. Like if she's alone on the train, they'll tell her about their problems. Like she just has that kind of um, welcoming energy. So you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, And then also my auntie Janice was my weekend mom. Um, When my mom would have to work and I'd be home from school, uh, she dropped me off at my auntie Janice's house. And um, that was where I got a different different side of mothering. Like, my mom is very, I mean, she's very prim and proper and put together. and my auntie Janice is more was like the young cool mm. person, you know. And so she had all her bath and body works in the in the bathroom, and she had her Mac lip gloss, and she would go to the hair salon and get her cool hairstyles, you know. And so I definitely learned about black glamour mm-hmm. from her, and um, yeah, they definitely both informed. The ways that I feed myself, the way that I um, look at the importance of adornment, um, mm-hmm. and the ways that I've learned to take care of myself and take care of other people. Mm. So, when you consider how how you were, you know, raised, how you were brought up, what was in alignment with what your spirit needed? Permission, mm-hmm. um, permission was in alignment with what my spirit needed. My mom always, even if she didn't have the capacity to listen to me tell her how I was feeling because of overwork um, mm-hmm. and overrun by the 
requirements of capitalism, even mm-hmm. if she didn't have the emotional capacity or the emotional language to hold those parts of me um, in the ways that I wanted or needed or thought I needed, mm-hmm. um, she always told me I could write mm-hmm. what I needed to write, that I could express myself in any way in a book, and she never violated my personal um, space, that personal space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and also my creativity, uh, you know, it's not like she liked it, but I was always able to mm-hmm. make a mess in the living room, mm-hmm. um, with my ideas and, and my creations and my destruction mm-hmm. even, because I feel like mm-hmm. destruction is a big part of creation. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was always grace for that, <laughs> even though I did rip up a lot of her favorite things and write in her <laughs> books all the time but I had a lot to say and it had to go everywhere and it was more so not a, a judgment on me but just a quirk that was it was just like oh well that's just just so you know she she yeah. just marks she makes her mark on everything you know that's beautiful though yeah that idea you know like you said that permission and that ability to leave your mark and you know to know that she would hold space for you to do that um what was challenging for you about the way that you were brought up well I think that I was a very emotional child. I was very emotional, had so many feelings, and I still do have so many feelings. And I didn't see too much, like I didn't, I didn't get to experience the range of um, permission in expressing feelings or um, just, emotional I don't want to say intelligence because that sounds like a hierarchy that I don't agree with Mm -hmm. you know because there's so many different kinds of intelligences but Mm -hmm. just emotional freedom yes Mm -hmm. that's the word Mm -hmm. I didn't experience emotional freedom Mm -hmm. and uh, it was more so like oh if you feel like this you have to get over it and uh, there are other things to do. There are more important things to be doing um, to occupy your time. And um, it was like a distraction to mm. lean into feeling. And that was very challenging for me. And it did drive me into um, reading books and writing my feelings down. And also, I think books gave me a... A reflection of myself that I didn't necessarily have outside like oh you know these are people with layered emotional landscapes they mm-hmm. have their joys and they live them unapologetically but they also suffer and they explain themselves and you know they reach their redemption and in, in in that feeling and um I don't know if I would be the person that I am right now if, if I was given all the things I felt that I needed mm-hmm. and in in having that um didn't wasn't forced into the worlds that I had to discover in order to find myself you know mm-hmm. 
So you said that your your mom treated feelings as though they were a distraction and that you know there was something that was mo- there were things that were more important. Um so what what were the feelings distracting from? What were the things that she thought were more important? Keeping the lights on, keeping mm-hmm. the refrigerator full, mm-hmm. um, getting us to school and home on time, um, paying the Con Edison bill, <laughs> doing all of those things with basically very minimal support, you know, and mm-hmm. I understand, like, now that I'm an adult and having um, experienced what it's like to live on my own, I'm quarantining with my mom right now, so I'm not on my own in this moment, but Mm -hmm. um, I do know what it's like to be alone and to have to do everything by yourself, and especially, you know, with a limited income in this country, like, I couldn't imagine having kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there were other important things, and Mm -hmm. there is kind of the possibility that if you let that reservoir leak just a little bit the whole wall would collapse Mm -hmm. and um yeah there there, I don't think there was room to risk that Mm -hmm. um which is unfortunate you know because I think that is a human right you know um to be able to to collapse and to be gathered again Mm -hmm. um but I think that that's a reality for so many people in this country and and globally who are, you know, doing what is needed, what is required mm-hmm. um, without help, without mm-hmm. dignity even, mm-hmm. um, that you do what must be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you find balance for yourself now or how have you learned to find or how are you learning to find balance between those required things and feeling and giving yourself space as you said to come apart and come back together well I think that I'm lucky because I have outlets. I have many outlets. I'm a writer. I'm a creative person. Um, And so I don't even think that I do come apart Mm -hmm. because I feel like my my outlets are emotional support. Mm -hmm. And if anything, they're a way to kind of remain afloat when things don't necessarily feel manageable Mm -hmm. in the moment Mm -hmm. or in, in the the period of time in the stretch of years mm-hmm. sometimes you know yeah. um and so uh, I think that my work has saved me and facilitated my my ability to regulate so that it isn't collapse and it is more so um what is it if it's not collapse mm. I guess just just a loosening yeah you know yeah yeah so how do you feel being you know a black woman has informed or affected your experience 
of mothering and being mothered. Hmm. So interesting being exposed to the media that we have access to, especially when we were young, Mm -hmm. you know? Because when I used to watch shows, I would see these TV families, these white TV families, and, you know, they're, they're, they hugged all the time, and they were told that they loved each other um, all the time, and the mom was always like, honey, you know, you can talk to me about anything, <laughs> you know? It, it was one of those things, and mm-hmm. it's like there was always space there was always room there was always like an allowing Mm -hmm. there was always um the ability to to get into really um challenging situations but to not feel afraid it was more like um those characters were able and also like encouraged to push against the boundaries Mm -hmm. and i feel like um my experience of um, being a black woman and um, the possibilities present in, in my mothering, I don't think that I saw that in my life. And the comparison, because I had so much access to absorbing media that didn't reflect my reality, um, it caused a lot of suffering, you mm-hmm. know? Um, the, the strain of the image that I was being fed as ideal Mm -hmm. and what I was living in my day-to-day life, you know? Um, And it it was something that I had to unlearn. It took a lot of unlearning and um, unpacking what reality looks like for... There are many realities, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And there are many ways cultural there are many cultures and ways of expressing a truth that when you hop in to one reality from another the rules are different Mm -hmm. and so you can't expect the same kinds of outcomes Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it took a lot of growing to really learn that Um, I have to accept what I have and that Mm -hmm. maybe there is no ideal that I can be reaching towards, especially when it comes to my personal experience. But Mm -hmm. I can learn from what I received and do what my mother has done and what her mother's mother did and what her mother's mother did and Mm -hmm. kind of improve upon the design, hopefully, Mm -hmm. so that we can... um, continue growing and expanding um what is possible Mm -hmm. um for those to come yeah so what inspired you and and how did you come to start unlearning all of that well I think that I've always been a learner I think I've always been a very curious person. I've always wanted to travel, even when I didn't even, I could never go anywhere. But my mom, she traveled when she was young. And so she would always make sure that I had access to resources that opened my mind. Mm -hmm. We would watch Channel 13 
all the time. Like that was a channel in our house and there would be travel uh, shows where somebody goes to Morocco and someone goes to India and someone is, um, you know, exploring New York City on $9.99, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> all those kinds of things. And uh, th- that was the kind of information that she was pouring into me. You know, and so I always knew, even if I couldn't physically go anywhere, that there were places to go Mm -hmm. and that in those places, there were many different kinds of experiences. And so I guess I've always had that knowing that, oh, it's okay if this isn't what I want, you know, Um, there's so many other things to want Mm -hmm. um, and I can look for those things, you know, so I guess I was always just a curious person because I had access to knowing what is possible at least a fraction of it um and that was a tool that I think liberated me in my mind Mm -hmm. even if I couldn't be free in my experience Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. that makes complete sense um so I just want to touch on something that you said about you know in the process of unlearning, you know, you had to realize that there are different realities and that there are different rules that apply to those different realities. Um, What do you think are the rules that apply when you are mothering a black child? Yeah. Um... I could cry. Um, I think that one of the things that we're taught to learn very early is that there are, there's an inside world and an outside world, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and who you can be inside, you kind of have to abandon, maybe not abandon completely, but always be regulating um, as you're moving through the outside world who mm-hmm. who you're expressing at mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah there's definitely the emphasis on safety making sure that when you are outside of the home you are a version of yourself that will ensure your safety. Mm-hmm. Even if we know that, that realistically there is no version of self that is safe in this country because we've seen all types of humans, doesn't matter what archetype they embody, we've seen every single type um, stripped away of, mm-hmm. of their dignity and their right to life mm-hmm. because of nothing other than hatred and that's it you know um but even still we do have the script that we're we're given and um that we in turn give our children um about how to be and how to move and what to do and what not to do and um what to say and um, sometimes it even gets as serious as what to wear and what not to wear, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So this, these rules about the inside self and the outside self and the ways in which we have to move through the world to be safe, are these rules that you still apply to your life now? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. I've actually done the opposite. I've thrown away all the rules. And I think that this might not be good because it's gotten me into a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Not trouble, not trouble for real, because there's a spectrum of what trouble actually is. And I don't think I've ever reached the far end of of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. But just moments when I couldn't um, experience stability or um, comfort or even assimilation as um, easily as I could have if I did listen to the rules of what my outside self should be. Mm -hmm. But I also think that if I was an inside self and an outside self, um, I wouldn't have been able to survive. Mm -hmm. Although I think that I'm lucky because if I'm uncomfortable or if I'm generally um, unfamiliar with a space, I am very quiet and I have been the type of person who kind of um, historically has blended into the background Mm -hmm. um, because of my personality, not necessarily because of my presentation. Um, And so I, I think that that has insulated me Mm-hmm. from having to perform mm-hmm. because I think there's so much of who I am that if you're not close to me anyway, you don't really have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always known that to be a pattern of mine, even if it's not something that before I, I would want to be the case, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think... I think, but that uh, just goes back to what I was saying earlier. Um, there, There is no real insulation in, in the inside self versus the outside self. So I feel like my trajectory has been kind of throwing all the rules away mm. for my own sanity, for my own um, liberation, for my own um, capacity to survive. Like, I, I don't think I could have made it this far if I mm-hmm. um, crammed myself into the rules because I, the little bit that I tried, mm-hmm. it didn't really work that well. And I really did try a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so since you were raised to have this inside self and this outside self, when... When were you able to liberate yourself and merge those selves and live free? I think when I graduated from high school, um, I went to Catholic school my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was in a uniform most of my, all of my um, young, my childhood life Mm -hmm. to young adult life. Um, and maybe that was a form of protection because mm-hmm. when I was outside, I was in a Catholic school uniform and I can't really say how much of that has 
deterred um, experiences that could have come to me. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know for sure. But I do know that that could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent a majority of my life in one outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I wasn't in one, I was usually at home, you know, because my mom worked on weekends. And um, if 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 I wasn't at home, I was with her, you know. So mm-hmm. there was very little time to be alone um, and experience what the outside self could be Mm. um as merged with my inside self so I think that um uh graduating high school and being liberated from a uniform was the time that I really became embodied Mm -hmm. and learned what physical autonomy could look like in me because I never had that my whole life Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely went in the opposite direction of everything I was just to br- find a way to bring myself back to center because I think any extreme, um, kind of pushes people in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I had a, a period of time and I didn't go to college right away. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I got a lot of odd jobs and internships and I got to see, I got to be a part of different worlds Mm. um, that were far, far away from the worlds that I grew up in. And I got to see how other people expressed and I got to try on different, different uniforms because it was a uniform. I think everybody wears uniforms, but, Mm -hmm. um, I got to try on a, a uniform I never had access to, and I got to play around kind of in that avatar and see if I liked that, and then if I didn't, I would hop into another one, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that experimenting definitely contributed to my ability to feel more sovereign and free mm-hmm. in myself. Mm-hmm. How how do you mother yourself, and how did you learn to do that? I think I mother myself by learning. I am, I love to read. I am self-help queen. <laughs> I will go on YouTube and every single video that's telling me anything about neuroscience or neuro-linguistic programming or um, just the mind-body connection, um, how to heal yourself, anything, any anything that I feel like I want to learn about, I am actively pouring information into me mm-hmm. and um I think that that is a form of mothering mm-hmm. um pouring in tools to survive you know mm-hmm. and sometimes the tools that you're given aren't, aren't necessarily the tools that you need mm-hmm. when the the time kind of changes or when circumstances kind of change um and so the ability to kind of up update the toolkit um, mm-hmm. has been really um, important to me and knowing that I can do that and that 
um, there's so many mothers and mentors out in the world who have left us with their words and their work and their ideas um, that we can lean on for deeper understandings and um, so we can learn from the mistakes and their triumphs also. Um, so I think teaching myself is a way that I mother myself. Um, I also mother myself through cooking because my mom's love language is making sure everybody has eaten, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. my mom will be like, you're not hungry, you didn't eat, you know, um, and make sure to fix a plate if needed. Um, and so I feel like the way that I pay close attention to the way that I cook for myself and um, how I nourish myself intentionally um, is part of my mothering. Um mm-hmm. And also the ways that I've been retraining myself to speak to myself. Mm -hmm. I've had a a lot of really negative self-talk. And lately, because I feel like I have a lot more space now to be able to focus on that, um, I'm able to check the words I'm saying Mm-hmm. and decide if I want to be spoken to like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And usually it's no, it's like, sis, like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do a lot of checking my internal voice and replacing that voice with a more generous, a more compassionate, a more understanding voice. And sometimes it's it's the really critical uh abrasive voice first and then it's the the mothered voice over that like okay well I understand why you feel that way but that's what we're not going to do right now Mm -hmm. um what we're actually going to do is x y and z and um I appreciate how I've been noticing that practice has been much more consistent um and it has created a lot of space in my mind Mm -hmm. um to do other things so those are the ways that I mother myself. Gotcha. And if you had to offer someone someone some advice, something to keep in mind when mothering themselves or when mothering another person, what advice would you offer? What would you tell them to remember? I think when I first was set loose into the world I took on the mothering of other people like I don't want you to to suffer Mm. if I learned that lesson already and I can prevent you from going through that lesson again Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you what you need to do you know Mm -hmm. and I did that for a long time And I realized that that caused more suffering in my friend groups, and it also alienated a lot of people from me, even though I was well-meaning, and I thought in my mind, I was trying to help you, you know? I did that before. I know what's going to happen, you know? But I think in in the doing of that, and I didn't know at that time, it's something I had to, to unlearn and slowly come to the realization of um, that you're basically saying that you don't trust people with their lessons Mm. in the same way that you were trusted with yours. Mm. 
you know? Yeah. So if if you were able to survive the thing and come out of it with knowing more mm-hmm. and being more, being stronger, being more resilient, knowing what your capacity to withstand is, why do you think that other people can't be trusted with journeying through their lessons, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's a, the biggest thing that I've learned. And I actually have been doing everything I can to not just stop giving advice mm. and to instead trust people with their lessons mm-hmm. and to kind of be a soft place to land if they need it. Mm-hmm. And to keep an eye out just in case, you know, like the mama bird is always in the tree watching, you know, to intervene if necessary. Mm-hmm. But you kind of got to let them do their own thing mm-hmm. and kind of like fall down and kind of wobble around a little bit until they learn they can trust their feet, you know, mm-hmm. Um And so I think that that's a big thing that I've learned and something that I'm definitely going to hold on to when I do one day have children and teach those children. Um, I don't I don't need to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I want you to trust your no and I want you to trust your yes so that when I'm gone, you're a self-realized person who can turn away whatever does not serve them Mm. without my assistance Mm -hmm. you know because I think the consequence for me of um being over over um over directed Mm -hmm. is that there were many 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 years as a result that I was afraid to say no that I was afraid to assert my autonomy over my body Mm-hmm. Um and and that came with things that I did not need, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could have done without those things, mm-hmm. and so I think stop teaching sovereignty by practicing sovereignty mm-hmm. is important to me, um, and that is definitely advice. If I have advice, I'm trying to keep away from the advice, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> if I have anything to say or offer to the conversation, it's definitely let them learn their lessons and kind of be the soft place to land, but not really tell somebody that you know how to live their life better than they know how to live their life, especially if you believe in divine order and a higher power, you know, I don't, I don't think that those two things can go together. Yeah. Listen, I <laughs> I have four kids and you have given me so much food for thought. Um I, you know, I was talking with a friend about how motherhood feels like this constant holding on and letting go and the older they get, letting go a little more and then a little more and then a little more. And it's, you know, it's my natural inclination, like what you said earlier, that when I see, you know, my daughters are my two oldest ones, they're 12 and 14. Mm -hmm. And when I see them 
getting ready to do things or take a course of action that I've taken and I know that it causes pain, my natural inclination is to jump in and and save them. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, if, if that, if I do that all the time, then they don't learn. Then what they learn is someone will save me from myself. I don't have to save myself because somebody else will do it. And I want them to be women who are not in need of saving. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that's such a, you know, such an important lesson to, to let people take their own journey. And that, you know, analogy that you brought up of the mama bird who's up in the nest and like watching the baby birds learn to fly and walk. And, you know, certainly if there's like a fox or something, (laughs) yes, that's when you intervene. Yes. Not on my watch. Exactly. Thank you, Auntie Yama. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not on my watch. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. Then you jump in. But if it's just, you know, they stumbled a little or they tried to take off and fly and then they fell down, you got to let them, you got to let them do it. You just yeah. got to let them do it. And it's so incredibly hard, but so necessary because again what you said is so true that you they learn by doing so you can say things to your kids all day you can say things to yourself all day but if you don't have that practical application if you don't live it and journey through it and find your way you know through it it just doesn't mean as much. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata.